What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode three of season two. Thank you for taking time to listen in, and I hope you are making art or getting your hustle on, whatever that looks like, while you're listening to this. In today's episode about catching up and kind of getting a rhythm again, I'm going to talk about my meeting with, or meet up, I should say, with Heather, who was my boss, but a longtime friend from the zine community before that, and her uh, insights onto what I would call career planning and sort of life planning in general. Then I'm going to talk about an interview that I just did with my friend Lucas um, about podcasting and getting podcasting going. Lucas works at Colorado Mountain College, where we both went to school, teaching audio engineering and podcasting to students. And then lastly, I'm just going to talk about uh, sort of last night, how I jumped into Photoshop, discovered they have a bunch of amazing templates and things like that, and how I really pushed uh, my photography. So that being said, let's just jump right into it. former boss, Heather, uh, to kind of sit down with me over some coffee to talk about the future of my work life and career, if you want to use that word. I have about six months left on my paid internship with Matter, and it took me about six months to find that internship, and it kind of fell into my lap. So I wanted to kind of start planning about next steps and what to do and what doors I could open up um, and how I can kind of make the transition, I'll say, into production companies, video production, uh, photography production companies, photography studios, things of that nature. Because uh, if you follow me on Instagram at Curtis Crunch, you can see that I am quite passionate and consistent with sharing street photography, which has opened up doors to working with clients, doing some video production stuff, uh, and things of that nature. And that's really where I find myself in my element the most. And so now I kind of, to use my language, want to monetize that, right? And really make the push from uh, paid internships at a design firm into full-on jumping into a production company and sort of using the tool of a camera to open up a lot more doors, uh, most specifically opening up the doors into sort of world travel and just even getting to do anything outside of Denver with a camera in my hand, or as I discovered over dinner conversation, just being around people with cameras in their hand. I love doing sales, I love doing conversations, I love interacting with people and getting to talk to them. Uh, so I really wanted to talk to Heather about how I can use the experiences that I have into growing and sort of making money off of my passions is how I'll put that. And Heather had some great insights 
into um, clarifying those goals. And really the reason I wanted to meet with them is they are the queen of lists and spreadsheets. And that is something I have always kind of struggled with is putting things down on paper and kind of taking my own advice in terms of goal setting and things like that. So Heather's first real good point was to highlight and write down what tasks help me move up. What am I currently doing that could really uh, help me open up more doors and kind of have a spin on that to opening up more doors? So I love doing event photography. I always have. I loved doing it at the gallery when I worked there. It was part of my responsibilities as the marketing assistant. And if you were to compare the photos that I took at the beginning of that job versus leaving that job, it is a world of difference. And I loved putting in creative problem solving around uh, the technicalities of shooting in an art gallery with very mixed and different lighting and how to kind of capture the spirit of the guest and the guest experience in order to communicate our value. And so I've gotten to do that a little bit at my current position, mostly during our events on Thursday. And it's great just having photographic evidence of curiosity is how I'll put it. Uh, seeing curious faces, seeing conversations happen around learning and things like that. It's I just love documenting facial expressions that show people at work and people learning. So it's things like that that I've got to learn how to write down, find a positive spin on, and kind of use that to communicate in interviews and searches for the future that will really open up those doors because I really do enjoy documenting that work, that creativity, that conversation, that curiosity that is happening. I think it's fascinating that people have that energy even when they're not working at their jobs. This innate curiosity around uh, letterpress printing at this job, but I've captured that curiosity at cart events at other things and I'm really trying to just push my photography in general into a more conceptual direction where there's more challenges where there's something to be solved uh, so I think that was a great insight from Heather is to really just highlight what is important for me um, another thing that's super important for me is growth I need a company that wants to grow, that wants to be in that mode of growing, that wants to adapt to the media landscape and how that's changing and to just be really dynamic around it and sort of using those things to sort out where I want to be doing that and having a spin on that so that I can open up doors to these places where I can be problem solving where I can be uh, creative in that problem solving, where I can use my abstract thinking, and where I can use a camera to perpetuate that is how I'll say that. Um, so that was great insight from Heather. The other thing is, is to, uh, well, I guess that was the highlight of that, you know, was really to just kind of figure out what I want to do and what I like doing. The other great insight from Heather that I personally have always struggled with is ciphering between a profession 
and a vocation. So vocation meaning trade, vocation meaning skill set. For Heather, it's publishing books. It's publishing letterpress objects, uh, things of that nature. And for me, letterpress falls in the same category. I know I will never be able to make a career out of letterpress printing. Uh, It's a great hobby. It's a great passion. When I have access to presses and wood type and lead type and things of that nature, I do love printing and I do love letterpress and I love expressing my design through that and having physical objects to do that. So for both of us, that is the vocation, right? That is the hobby, that is the thing that sparks joy, but it will never be realistically that thing that full on pays the bills, that opens, you know, up all these doors to a career. So that for me is the clearest thing I have ever had sorted out as a vocation versus a profession. Things like photography, YouTube, social media, podcasting, that is what I'm struggling with and have struggled with as to what column to put that in. Can I make a profession out of that? Can I go full-time in YouTube? Can I monetize my podcast so that it pays my bills? I don't know. That's the honest answer is I am living it. I am making it. I think with each piece of content, with each Creative Crunch episode, I am closer to ciphering whether this is a vocation or a profession. Right now, it is a vocation. Creative Crunch is a trade. I love talking into a microphone. I love the cathartic exercise of working out the conversations I've had during the week and reflecting on them and making them into my own thoughts and spinning them into an episode for y'all to listen to. I love making YouTube videos. I love watching YouTube and more and more I want to push myself to create something for that platform on a regular basis just besides the live streams of the podcast episodes and what have you. And I've kind of gotten back into that groove in terms of client work. I am carrying my GoPro around and I'm trying to chop up videos. But if you've ever tried to edit a video and you've ever tried to take hours of raw footage and distill that into a 10 minute something, uh, that can be very challenging. And I still very much approach those as art projects. I approach video as art projects. So it can be difficult for me to try to balance that and to balance uh, art and effects and titles and graphics and storytelling and creating a commercial thing, creating a video, you know, what have it. So really that is what I'm going to have to spend some time uh, thinking about, you know, is what types of things can I turn into a profession? And slowly, very, very slowly, I have been trying to turn photography and more broadly just having a camera from a vocation, something that I just spend time on the weekends doing, uh, going to model meetups and what have you, into a profession. And it is, it's getting there. It's getting there. I do have one client who is a fine artist, and I go once a month to do a studio visit with them, and I document 
as much as I possibly can about their creative process. And then what's nice now is I've taken this skill set of social media management and the ability to sort of automate things and create consistent messaging and better engagement into a profession. So I do think photography is getting there. And that is really what I want to do in the next step. So in the next six months, I'm trying to figure out production companies, avenues for me to get into these production companies, avenues for me to get into photography studios, where I can take this vocation of photography and turn it into a profession. So that's going to be a really big sort of thought exercise and list making exercise. I'm going to have to get a new spiral notebook for it. Um, just so I have all my ideas in one place and I can sort out and work on things like my resume, like a resume video, a portfolio, things like that. So the vocation of photography and having a camera is now communicated as a profession, which I thoroughly enjoy. I, there is just something indescribable about photography for me. Uh, both the technical side of being right in that live moment and trying to get the best angle and the best lens and the best camera settings to capture and communicate that. And then also being able to review that. I'm spending a little bit more time sifting through my hard drive and just going back and looking at final exports and watching especially how my street photography has evolved and now trying to see and value how my model making, well, not model making, but working with models has evolved in from meetup after meetup and now into paid gigs for doing that. So that's the biggest thing for me is trying to cipher what is a profession and what is a vocation. And as I've worked on my mental health, and as I've spent time and energy on that, sort of the creative mania has subsided, and now I'm able to kind of clearly see, right? Like if you were even to ask me six months ago, profession versus vocation, I wouldn't even have the language to address those two things um, and to even separate them. So going on that journey and moving forward, I do think I will be able to more clearly articulate what I want to be a profession and what I want to be a vocation. So that was the great insights that I've had from Heather and from our meeting, and I greatly appreciate them taking time from that. And I hope in talking about it more that you are also gleaning something from that as well. And maybe in your creative fields, you are able to more clearly cipher what is going to be a vocation for you, what is going to be a trade and what is going to be a hobby and what is going to be a profession, what is going to be the moneymaker and how you're going to be able to be in the arts industry and still satisfy those creative needs and those abstract thoughts and sort of that desire and that passion, but to more sortly sort that out and more to monetize something, right? Some aspect of your creative skills. So we're going to take a quick little beat interlude, and then we're going to jump into the interview that I just did this morning with my good friend, Lucas.
right, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm trying to spend some more time in the Anchor libraries, uh, searching for different little musical bits to kind of give you a brain break in between these segments. So this morning I had the pleasure of talking with my, what, college friend, college alumni, whatever you have him, whatever you want to call him, uh, Lucas. Lucas Turner of Levelhead Audio, I will link that in the description as best as I can, um, about podcasting. Uh, we both share this passion of talking into a microphone, and Lucas kind of approaches it from a more technical and like audio engineering aspect, and I personally uh, approach it from just a creative, cathartic sort of journaling exercise. And so he picked my brain about marketing expertise and how to market a podcast and especially vis- visually how to come up with like a sweet album cover and things like that for your podcast. So if you want to hear about that, go check the links in the description and I will make sure you have a way to access that interview in one form or another. And then I'm going to have Lucas on in the coming weeks to sort of talk about the punk rock ethos And what it means to be punk rock. And that was like a little bullet point that we both made a note of while we were having a conversation. And more specifically while I was talking about my IDP degree from Metropolitan State University at Denver. uh, And what that means and why I pursued that education. If you've followed me for a while now and you've uh, been involved in some of the projects I have, you will recognize the name Stuff on Walls which was my DIY art show that I was producing in Denver for a number of years. And that's really the reason I went back to school to pursue a bachelor's degree was to make a better event, make a better experience, have a better understanding of business and of marketing and communications, which was a discovery I made while at MSU Denver was that I am just passionate about sort of the science and the philosophy and the technicalities of communication and rhetoric and things of that nature because that was just another extension of my knowledge of graphic design. So it was fun to talk to Lucas about all of those amazing things. He's really working on something hard and difficult uh, for Level Head Audio. It's going to be this amazing YouTube show, but it's also going to be a podcast. And we talked a little bit about developing his rhetoric because uh, he loves talking about political things, but he also loves doing audio engineering tutorials and teaching and sort of that thing. And I talked a little bit about the, the fusing those two, right, and brand identity with him because uh, my personal philosophy, and you'll hear this in the interview, is that you should just be you and you should build a brand around yourself and yeah it it should be multifaceted because as humans we have a lot of interests we take interest in a lot of things we have a lot of different passions and those change and grow as we age and things of that nature you know so it's really interesting for him because i do think those worlds are not as necessarily separate as he thinks they are he really thinks that like a video about politics should be its own brand and a video about audio engineering should be its own brand and I kind of disagree with that and we kind of uh had a little idea session about how to just mix that passion for audio and audio engineering 
and audio-based content into every other video, and then that will create his niche, right? Having a political-based video that also shows you something about audio engineering. I also talked to him about free speech issues and how those are extremely relevant to both facets of what he's doing. He could take a political stance on free speech and he could also then talk about the politics of that and then also tie in audio engineering. Uh, he picked my brain a lot about marketing and my thoughts on marketing, a podcast and things of that nature. And we decoded a successful album art cover. And I think the big takeaways from that is that podcast covers especially, and I think this applies to any sort of music or audio-based project, this day and age are usually viewed incredibly small, right? They're viewed on mobile devices, usually in a list setting. So whatever you are creating for your audio projects, whether it's your band's album art cover or your cover for your podcast, you have to really think small and think simplistic. We really talked about contrast and why a lot of podcast covers are usually a solid background uh, or a gradient background and then a strong contrasting text on top of that of uh, white or black text and we kind of poked fun at the sort of templated podcast where it's a floating head of whoever's having the conversation. But working through that, I realized that those are actually quite great in their execution because they give an identity to the voice that you're hearing, right? And with audio and podcasts especially, you are only using one of your senses to primarily consume this form of content. And so providing some visual insight into who's talking or what you're listening to can actually be greatly relevant. And I think we're in a way moving away from just flashy album art uh, for bands into something more simplistic that can is either a photograph or a simple illustration just so that it is so easily identifiable when you're scrolling through your Spotify um, liked songs or what have you or you're scrolling through a playlist i think it's very important to think of spotify album art because it will clearly say country today's top hits hip-hop top 100 and then it's usually a picture of an artist featured in that playlist it's not overly complicated it's not text or it's not effect heavy i should say right? There's not drop shadows and glow, outer glow and things like that going on just because of the nature of the consumer. So it's very important to think about the consumer when you're making album art and not just you as the producer, right? It's very easy to treat this as an art project and to get really involved into it and do way too much research on it. Uh, but I think it is incredibly important just to keep album art simple. That being said, I highly recommend go checking out Lucas's content. Uh, like I said, it's Levelhead Audio, and it'll be linked in the description in one form or another. I'll try to get the interview in there as well as some of their other links. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about the DIY ethos uh, and what that really means to us. 
My personal philosophy, just to break you off a tidbit so that you come back and listen to this, my personal, my personal philosophy around punk rock is that of infiltration. If you can develop yourself into an expert, a professional, whatever you have, whatever title you want to use, if you can develop those skill sets and get yourself into a position of authority or influence, that's the most punk rock thing that I think you can do, right? Like it makes me think of art teachers that I've had in the past and people I've interacted with at like Denver Startup Week. They get these titles or they get these positions of authority, but then their personal philosophy is very different to what you would expect someone in those positions to have. Examples would be an increased value in diversity and representation in their fields, uh, an increased philosophy around new ideas and early adaptation, and things of that nature. If you can get yourself to a position where you can be heard and you have an audience or you have influence, or maybe it's as simple as you have a budget to execute on your creative ideas, but then you use that position to change the landscape of whatever industry you're participating in and you weave in your personal philosophies, that to me is being punk rock. So as I am on this journey and as I'm talking about this right now, for me, it's that early adaptation into new medias and just having an open mind about what is to come and what people are consuming and how they're consuming it. You know, that's partly how I attribute my Vine addiction, if you remember those short little videos from that app, um, and why I still reference Vines in my um, conversations to this day and laugh about them. Um, but it also, on a deeper note, is my queer identity as a non-binary person um, who tends to more often than not pass as a cisgendered male, how can I be weaving my queer philosophies and my queer activism and my passion for the queer communities into the content that I'm creating? The clearest thought I have on this is when I attend Pride this year, not only am I going to change how I physically express myself, I've been thinking about wearing a harness, wearing a skirt, uh, physically showing some other aspects of my queer identity just besides being complacent in wearing a t-shirt and shorts, but also having the camera there. And last year when I took the camera, I got some amazing portraits. And just to say that I personally have a record, a photographic record of pride from my perspective makes me so happy and still brings a smile to my face looking back on those photos because I have great photos of my friends. I have photos of my friends working at their booth, uh, glitter painting people and really um, helping combat normative expression and really... Um, bring people another layer to their physical expression at Pride. But then also just from an event standpoint, I have some amazing crowd shots. 
I have documentation of some amazing outfits and dynamics that are going on. And still to this day, Pride is one of those events that I really do cherish the photos that I took the best. Even if they aren't technically amazing, even if they aren't progressive as street photography or what have you, or whether I did a bad job publicizing them, which I don't think I did. I think I shared a lot of them on my Instagram. It was just amazing to capture Denver and Colorado's queer community openly celebrating. So this year when I go to queer, I, uh, when I go to Pride Fest, excuse me, I really want to push that by having a networking card, by having a system or a funnel developed where then I can document these people in this setting, but then have a clear, concise, easy, accessible way for them to participate in a more intimate photo shoot with me outside of Pride. And this comes from watching What's the Safe Word on YouTube. And it's a channel that I highly recommend and has really helped me come to terms with my sexual identity and my queer identity and sort of just reinvigorating that every week because they challenge what is the norm for face uh, for YouTube and what should be shown. And I know that they consistently combat the challenges of YouTube's definition of family-friendly content, and I know they struggle with monetizing their videos, but that does not determine... Christopher and uh, Pip, I think. No, I can't remember his name. Anyway, the hosts of What's the Safe Word, it doesn't deter them from creating that content week after week after week after week. And the most recent videos were them going to a rubber convention in Chicago, I believe, working for the leather company that they work in for in San Francisco that manufactures puppy masks, harnesses, and all sorts of BDSM gear. So that there has kind of been the accelerator for me to kind of develop a game plan for Pride this year and to really push my queer identity in and merging that with my passion for photography. So I hope you turn it tune into that episode um, about the punk rock ethos, because it'll be interesting to see how Lucas approaches it as a musician and an audio engineer and a content creator and how I approach it uh, as someone in marketing and communications and what have you. So I hope you tune in for that episode in the future. We are going to roll an ad for Anchor and then be back to talk about photography a little bit more. All right, thank you for listening to that little mid-roll ad. If you didn't know, listening to that ad actually helps you directly support Creative Crunch. I get a couple pennies every time you listen to that ad, so I greatly appreciate you doing so. If you'd like to support Creative Crunch even further, consider clicking the anchor.fm slash creativecrunch link and clicking on listener support. You get the option of a couple tiers of donations each month, but really all I'm asking for is 99 cents. If you can take the time and energy 
to afford supporting Creative Crunch with a 99 cent monthly donation, that would greatly help this grow, especially since I talked to Lucas about upping my production game and upping marketing. Having a small, small budget of even five to $10 a month could greatly help me reach a larger audience and get Creative Crunch out to more ears. So if you've learned something and you want more people to hear this, uh, consider clicking the listener support button. So this last little segment before I go and pick up a sweet haul of photography gear from Facebook Marketplace, it's just going to be about my explorations in Photoshop last night. I'm struggling, of course, like I said earlier in the episode, with my professional identity in vocation versus profession. And so in doing so, I wanted to see what I could do more with the photos that I had recently take, taken on uh, with model... Wow, I'm really struggling. With model Erica Cervantes. Uh, we met at a meetup group not too long ago and really just vibed and shared similar passions and now we're both trying um, both as a model and a photographer to push our conceptual ideas so I was able to do an amazing shoot with Erica and I do have some more photoshopping to do but I just wanted to see what I could come up with and some of the early experiments were in uh, placing black letter typography which Erica is a fan of on top of the photos trying some different maskings. I came up with a successful experiment where I took a big black letter E for Erica. I blew it up to the size of the photo, and then I did some quick selections and masking to make that letter look like it was interlocked and interplaying with her as the model. It kind of sweeps behind one hand, it goes behind her head, and I think it only took me about 30 minutes to do because it's basic, very, very basic photoshopping skills with quick selection and feathering and masking. But it just took the image to a whole nother level. And I've been watching a lot of f-stoppers and recently they did a video with a composite photographer in Puerto Rico. And so that just got me thinking about blurring that gray area between photography and digital media or digital art. So that was very successful. Another one is uh, that was pretty successful was this photo that I took of Erica where I believe the camera metered off of the light coming through the back window. So she was very silhouetted um, and it was very noir. I put a heavy black and white filter on it where you can only see edges of her body uh, where the light hit and you can't really see her face. And I took a... Um, black letter E and C. This time they were more circular in nature with the type. And I kind of stacked those um, and made a little quick, fast mock-up of those and just slapped it on top of the photo. And it really just added a whole nother graphic element. So it was really interesting to kind of test that and now to be really thinking about composite photography and digital media. And well, I have to apologize for that rude interruption. I have uh, time limits set on my iPhone so that I am hopefully spending less screen time on them. The one issue is, is when it becomes production day for podcasts, uh, I go over that limit. And so in the middle of the audio recording, that cut out. Anyway, I was saying it's fun to now push 
what I know as graphic design and as a graphic designer and meld that with the photography to create digital media. And what's fun about that is it's just a whole nother challenge. And I like now the idea of treating photography not as the end game. So that was kind of the big takeaway from that. The other cool thing is, that I discovered is that Adobe Stock is full of free templates. And so the ones I downloaded were cool geometric shapes with textures. And I also downloaded a template that let me turn the photos I took into mock Polaroid fo photos. Um, so again, this is from a previous episode on pushing yourself. Uh, you already have access to these assets. If you are uh, paying for the Adobe Creative Cloud, just explore Adobe Stock a little bit more. See what kind of templates you can come up with. I remember learning how to kind of create these templates and how time-consuming it was and what a deterrent it was from making templates. But now they're all ready to go. You can quickly... Uh, take your poster design and put it in a frame. You can quickly mock up business cards. You can quickly make photos into Polaroids. So it just adds another element to the content that you're creating. That was just a brief short segment. And again, I apologize for the interruption, but I've got to go score this sweet lot of photography accessories off of Facebook. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check the links in the description so you can go see, um, maybe I'll link like Heather's Instagram. I'll definitely link Lucas's interview and things of that nature. And join us next week for another episode of Creative Crunch.